This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. They are here because each of them has lost a child to heroin. I lost my son, John, to a heroin overdose on July 23rd of 2012. It devastated our family. I am here because no mother should ever have to bury her child. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, a CBS News radio production. I'm Paul Violis, and before I get going, I want to thank everyone for hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Some incredible comments after the last show, and I do promise you I am going to get back to everybody, uh, but just some great, great comments. I want to emphasize, we encourage everybody to write us, tell us what the subjects are that are keeping you up at night, the subjects that really are most pressing for you. I mean, again, some of the comments have just been fantastic. We are going to follow up on each one of these, and we are going to make sure that we cover and, and do shows specifically about the things that are, you know, that are of interest to you. Uh, today's episode is one that's impacting America and has been for many, many years. It's one uh, for all of us parents and grandparents out there that we've seen over and over and over again. Uh, in our country, we've seen an evolution of this. I'm talking about safeguarding children from drug involvement. Um, it's such a wide issue, but yet, believe it or not, and you're going to learn this from, from both of our guests today and some of the information I'm going to share with you, this, this epidemic, this problem, that, that's, that's just this contagion that's permeating throughout the American culture does come down to really a couple of things as it relates to identifying the root causes of this. Now, you can take a psychological standpoint. You can take a, a sociological standpoint. Um, you can look at a law enforcement standpoint, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what are the root causes of how this continues to grow? And the red flags, the signs that are thrown off that our kids, our kids are getting involved in drugs, what that leads to. And with that, I'm, I'm going to have two incredible guests today. One, a forensic profiler who trains the FBI, the DEA, and many others, over 100,000 on the root cause, uh, on many things actually, but on one of those subjects is the root causes of juvenile drug problems, and we're gonna hear from him. And then we're gonna hear from a mom who has lived through the very worst case scenario. Um, without, with, with that said, let's benchmark this before I invite our first guest. Um, when we take a look at this empirically, and everybody knows I, I, I like to break things down qualitatively and quantitatively, approximately 50% of teens are reported to have misused drugs. 23.6% of 12th graders 
have reported using illicit drugs in the previous year. 6.5% of eighth graders have reported using marijuana in the last 30 days. 34.9% of 12th grade students have reported using marijuana, marijuana in the last year. As we dig down deeper into this, uh, we can see, and this, this is a study conducted by Project No. Teens often have access to prescription pills or inhalants within their own home. Within their own home. That has a lot to do with one of what our first guest is going to talk about. The majority of adolescents that abuse prescription opioid painkillers are able to obtain them from friends or family members, with about 33% obtaining prescriptions on their own. It's staggering. Over one-third obtaining these prescriptions on their own. We'll talk about that later in just, just a little bit. But as we drill down on this, what does this lead to? It leads to drugs and juveniles becoming involved in the criminal justice system. Message to all parents. Message to everybody. The system doesn't let you go. When you get involved in the system, it sucks you in. And it can destroy you. It is the greatest system of justice we know in the world, but I'm going to tell you something. That if you don't watch your kids closely and you get involved in the system, very few escape unscathed. In fact, research shows that substance abuse increases a teen's likelihood of a prolonged interaction with the juvenile justice system. In addition to producing antisocial behavior and being a partial cause result of, of co-occurring with mental disorders, the earlier a child begins abusing drugs or alcohol, the greater their probability of serious or persistent criminal behavior. For example, four out of five juvenile offenders are under the influence of while committing their crimes. Four out of five test positive for drugs, admit having substance use problems, are arrested for committing an alcohol or drug offense, or they exhibit some combination of these characteristics. Ladies and gentlemen, four out of five. If that is not the perfect segue to our first guest, I don't know. Dale Yeager is a forensic profiler. He has trained over 100,000 local, state, and federal law enforcement officers. I can assure you, in my 40 years, very few professionals are brought to the level of training that Mr. Yeager is. There's no question about it. They are highly scrutinized with respect to credentials and the validity and reliability of the output that their training provides. In 2002, Mr. Yeager was given a presidential appointment to the U.S. Selective Service System. And through his firm... Mr. Yeager and his education team has provided school safety training and consulting to more than 30,000 schools. In fact, in the beginning, in the year 2000, Congress asked his firm to provide a state of the school safety in America report to them every two years. Congress. And to date, his firm has provided three reports of that nature to members of Congress, specifically the Senate Judiciary Committee. If anybody knows firsthand about what the root causes are about this epidemic of drugs and our children, it's him. I'm proud to introduce him. We are grateful that Dale has taken the time to join us. Dale, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dale, let's let me let's just dive right into this, okay? Um, okay. God knows you have seen a lot. You have seen far more than most people will ever see when it comes to this particular subject. Which means that just by the sheer nature of the numbers, the empirical data, the frequency, you see, I would have to assume, correct me if I'm wrong, 
but you see consistency with respect to where this all comes from. Is that accurate? Uh, I see very much consistency, and I see observable, um, constant problems that bring these children to the table, the metal table, as we call it, in the juvenile justice system. And it's, uh, you know, the problem, the problem primarily is, is that people view it as a poverty issue. These children are from poor homes. And the bottom line is they aren't. The majority of them are coming from middle class and upper middle class homes uh, with at least one educated parent, college educated parents. So the first, the first problem, I think, with policymakers and with parents in general is they need to understand that uh, everybody has the potential for watching their child slide down that slippery slope of drug abuse, alcohol abuse. So with your experience, and you and I were talking about this, with your experience, is it a fair statement that there's a degree of foreseeability as it relates to parents' involvement in this, child's involvement in this, and their environment's involvement in this? I believe that's how you broke it down. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, there's there's three things that I've observed, and there's more than enough studies that have provided this evidence too. Uh, the first is that over the last 15 years, we've watched several generations of children um, who have come are more and more likely to come out of dysfunctional homes. So you know the common phrase that's used is bad parenting, but that that's not really accurate. The issue is dysfunction. And when adults are dysfunctional in the home, they can't keep relationships together, they can't keep a marriage together, they can't manage their funds, they're moving frequently, um, there's constant conflict and drama. The evidence scientifically is very clear. For those of you listening, this will dramatically affect your children in every aspect of their life. And it will carry with them, this, these problems will carry with them into adulthood. And this is something we're seeing more and more of. And with drug abuse, you know, there are two types of drugs. There's drugs that take you up and drugs that take you down. And ultimately, based on the type of drug a child uses, or an adolescent in this case, tells you a lot about what's going on in their mind. And so, um, you know, this is something we see a lot of. And if parents are going to help their children that have a problem, and if they're going to uh, and or prevent it from happening, you first have to right. look in the mirror and you have to find someone who will be honest with you. Now, that can be a priest, a rabbi, a friend, a neighbor. That can be someone that you trust. That can be a counselor of some type. But you have to sit down and ask, what is my complicity in this? What, 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 is, what, what am I doing to cause this or have caused this? If you can't do that, there is no hope. And like you said, Paul, uh, these kids, once they're in the system, that's it. Uh, the system will always have a hold on them and a hold on your family. So either you fix the problem or you prevent the problem or you're going to suffer the consequences. That's what I've observed. Dale, from a parent's perspective, the parents listening right now, it's, it's the, the word coming from you is, and, and I agree with this, parents need to self-examine with respect to Correct. not just their parenting. And I, and I agree with you on that. You know, I, the, the whole, you know, bad parenting thing. Um, I look at it more as involvement. And I'd love your opinion on this. 
I see, and in my years in the system, I see mm. so many parents that just aren't involved. They're not engaged. Uh, I remember growing up, I mean, we didn't have much, but I can tell you this. My mother and father were involved, and they were involved in one way, shape, or form. I look at now I'm almost 40 years in law enforcement, in state and in government, and I see the common denominator, and I'd love your opinion on this, is a lack of involvement. What do you think about that? Well, I would say it's, it's uh, involvement, but with, with, with this um, provision. There's extreme involvement where a child has a codependent relationship with the, the parent uh, or parents, helicopter pilots, for, or helicopter parents, for example, parents that are so involved in their children's lives that they intercede for them all the time and they've created a, a problem in their personality. They're not developing. It's arrested development. Then you have parents who just aren't involved at all, which is what I believe you're talking about. And we have data on this, by the way. Right. Low-income parents and working-class parents generally are not involved in their children's education. That is a statistical fact. And if anybody wants to challenge me, I'm easy to find on the Internet. That is a statistical fact. If you're not going to read to your children, if you're not going to get involved with their homework, no matter what your intelligence level is, you are going to fail your children. If you're going to be codependent with them, they're your best friend. They're not your best friend. They're your child, and you are their parent. And you need to step back sometimes and let them develop because we have children that are 18, 19 years old who are highly intelligent, but they, they have the emotional stability of a 12-year-old. Right. And so it is extremes that cause this problem. And by the way, Duke University did excellent research on this in the 80s and 90s for the Department of Justice in Washington, and they said that uh, children who are bullied come from over-dependent, pa uh, codependent parents who encourage dependent behavior. Isn't that ironic? True. I got <laughs> so, you. Now, so, now, now we look at now we Dale, we look at parents, but now let's look at the kid. Let's look at the child, right, right? now. Right. Parents self-examine. Okay, you know what? And self-examination is good for everyone, consistently, yes. because we all are a work in progress, and. In order for us to get better as human beings in the totality of what that meaning is, self-examination is good, certainly good here. Now we take a look at the kid. What are the, what are the things we're looking, we're looking for in our children that should be alarming? Well, I think, first of all, um, stop making the excuse for your children that they are expressing themselves. In forensics, we talk about healthy and unhealthy behavior. We take it into the scientific realm out of the realm of religion, politics, philosophy. The bottom line is, is that there is healthy behavior and unhealthy. If you have some type of radical view of the world as a parent, you're going to hurt your children. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't care what your political views, but if you believe that when your child is uh, isolating themselves, and have very few friends that they're just, uh, they just like to be by themselves. No, that is unhealthy behavior. It is not normal. Human beings need to interact. So that type of problem is an issue. Number two is if your children are hanging around with children that are very dark in nature, what do I mean by that? They're obsessed with, with dark subject matter. They're, they're moody. They're, it's like a, it's like a, um, 
um, you know, a group of uh, almost a cabal of depression. This is not healthy for your children, and you need to intervene in their lives. If your children are expressing views that are unhealthy, for example, promiscuity. Promiscuity is not healthy. And people, and I hear parents make jokes about it. Well, they're teenagers, they're going to have sex. That is not a, an attitude that you should be promoting with your children. Nothing good that I've ever seen in 25 years comes out of teen sex. Nothing. And, and I think you will agree with me, Paul. I've seen STDs. I've seen pregnancy. I've seen domestic abuse, drop out of, uh, dropping out of high school. Nothing positive comes out of that. This is not a movie. This is not TV. This is real life. Right. So you need to look at your child and you need to step back and you need to ask yourself, honestly, is this healthy behavior? Right. Because when they're expressing themselves with dark images and dark ideas and, um, and, and, and that type of thing, uh, that is not healthy. That's not expressing yourself. That's a cry for help. No, Dale. And if your child says, well, this is who I am, You're... well, then your child has a serious problem and you need to intervene. You're 100% so. right. I'll give you... I'll give you an example to accentuate your point. I remember a case I was working many, many years ago. Um, we were doing some UC work in the Satanic Church, human sacrifices and animal sacrifices, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? So long story short here is, in this right, right to your point, right? Long story short is that this kid, we talk about behavior that's not appropriate, right? Th- this kid is you know, dressed in black, his all black nail polish boy, he's... Living all alone, he's listening to satanic worship music, and mm-hmm. he's abusing drugs. Once mm-hmm. we arrested him for attempting to stab his mother in the chest <laughs> with a knife, the comment from the dad, which reels in me, but the comment from the dad, this I wanted to smack him on the side of his head, for God's sakes, was, well, you know, I mean, I did some acid when I was a kid. I mean, I mean, it's normal for kids wanting to do acid. Mm. Really? Mm. That's normal. So to your point, and, and to emphasize and, and that I'm agreeing with you, I concur that, yeah, this behavior is not right. And your la- la- last point here before we got to go is this, Dale. You, had, you also mentioned the environment. You mentioned the self-examination of parents, the examination of the child's behavior. You also mentioned yes. the environment. What did you mean by that? Well, two things. Do you pay your bills on time? Number one, because that chaos creates instability in a child's mind, makes them feel very unstable. Number two is, can you keep a relationship together? Because if, if the relation, if, if mommy or daddy are in conflict all the time and there's cheating in the home and internet pornography and all of this unhealthy behavior, believe me, the child knows about it and the child is affected by it. You don't pay your bills on time. There's stress in the home. This is not the environment that your children should grow up in. And you say, oh, Dale, you sound so puritanical. Listen, I'm a political, radical moderate. I'm not conservative, and I'm not liberal. I'm telling you what I have seen. There is healthy and unhealthy behavior. It doesn't matter what your philosophy is, what your politics is. Pay your bills on time. Get your financial house in order. Keep your car clean. Keep your home clean. And actually... Think about your relationships and find a healthy one. That's what's going to help your child. Last question. Last question, Dale. Last one. I could talk to you all day, but last question is this. (laughs) The manner, and I hear this a lot too. As parents are looking at their kids, 
does who they hang out with, who they associate with, in your research, in all your years in, 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 as a forensic profiler, does who they hang out with have to do with, or is it a causal effect to how they end up abusing drugs and end up getting arrested and ruining their life or possibly getting killed? Yes, and I'm going to tell you how that happens. Okay. First of all, you're born, you're born with, with what all humans have, and then you have personality traits that you inherit from your parents. Then as you develop, you're being influenced by your parents, and then you're influenced by people close to your parents. So it's not just peers of your own age. It's also you can have a you can have a crazy uncle, you can have a problematic cousin, a crazy neighbor. They will have a, a, a they can have a, a negative impact on your child. Then as the child enters into puberty and they start becoming more, um, uh, they travel more. They're they're out with their friends now. Those peers become critically important, critically important to their development and their and their behavior. And that peer pressure is a big deal. But ironically, adults fall pr uh, prey to peer pressure rather than stand up to their fellow employees and say, well, I disagree with you. They'll go along with things they don't agree with just so they can get along. Right. So this is something we carry from childhood. So, yes, it is your relatives, the friends, you as a parent, and then the people they're spending time with. All of that has either a positive or negative effect on them. And uh, we see that connecting right to drug abuse, and especially alcohol, too. So, uh, so, so as we sum this up, coming right from Dale Yeager, one of our country's leading forensic profilers and one of the most well-respected trainers in federal law enforcement, the three things is we have to self-examine us as parents. It's a good idea to do for all of us. We have to really examine our kids' behavior and what they're doing and what they're not doing and, and not be willing to write something off as just acceptable. And three, we really have to be cognizant of their environment, who they hang out with, and who you involve them with. Three things. Dale, thank you so much for joining us today. Some, some great information. Look forward to having you back on in the future. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. You're listening to Security Matters, a CBS News radio production. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Former Leedsville Road High School student Bryce Hoover is not your typical young man. He's working hard to make better choices after enduring a tragic loss. We mostly started experimenting with like pills in like ninth grade. Uh, kind of before most other people did. Within the span of four years, Hoover says he saw friend after friend after friend die from a drug overdose. Jordan Maurer, he's another good friend of me, Caleb. She actually passed away of an overdose three weeks after Caleb. And Bryce met Caleb Melman in the second grade. This is Caleb at his graduation. Melman's family says Caleb and another friend both died of a drug overdose while celebrating Caleb's 19th birthday last summer. He decided to take Xanax, uh, a good amount of Xanax. Um, on top of drinking. On top of drinking, on top of um, methadone. His mother, Susan Plattner, says her son's drug problem started while at school, and they tried to get him help. But the family believes more should be done in the classroom to educate teens on the dangers of prescription pills. And now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. And um, as I mentioned before, we took our break. We have a very, very special guest joining us now. Um, you heard, as we were talking to Dale, from that law enforcement and that clinical and that forensic perspective about this, this 
horrible issue that we contend with every day as far as drugs and, and our youth. And our next guest is, is a mom who unfortunately had to experience firsthand the worst case scenario of how these two intersect. I'm talking about a, a wonderful woman by the name of Rebecca Savage. Becky, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, tell us how this story begins and how it ends from a mother's eyes. Bearing in mind, there are a lot of moms and dads that are listening right now. Mm-hmm. Well, our story um, our story started on June 14th of 2015 um, after our two older sons were turning, uh, attending graduation parties. And they were participating in underage drinking, unfortunately. And somebody had brought a prescription pill bottle um, to the graduation party, and they were passing them out. And my boys decided to experiment that night with a prescription medication. And the next morning, um, I found them unresponsive. Actually, I found Jack unresponsive. And when I was calling for Nick, because I knew they were both home, to come and help me, his friends had heard me, and they went to awaken Nick, and he was unresponsive as well. Uh, unfortunately, they both passed away. Um, they both overdosed on an opioid um, as a result of experimentation. At that moment, I know it's almost mm-hmm. impossible to, to kind of rewind and go back to that, and I don't want you to have to go back to that moment, but life changes forever. I, mm-hmm. it has to and and there's no one that could understand what you're saying and what you're feeling unless they've actually lived it um, mm-hmm. but I know that you said that your family was changed forever at that moment but and God rest their souls both of your boys um, but but you didn't let it lay there you didn't let it stop there somehow somehow you got past that point and you started the 525 story. Tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, a, I mean, it was, it was hard. It was about a year after the boys passed. Um, we were asked to speak at a local town hall based on underage drinking. And my husband and I thought long and hard about it because we're, we, we're not public people. Um, but we really felt like um, maybe we could do, use Nick and Jack's story to do some good. And since they were involved with underage drinking, we decided to participate. We were also told that there would be maybe about 15 to 20 people max there. And when we um, got there, there were over 200 people in attendance. And what we, um, you know, realized is that it was a room full of parents that were terrified something like this would could happen to their family. And um, they wanted to know um, know about it and know what they could do to help prevent that. And so that's what we started. Um, we thought, you know, our story, our Nick and Jack story, doesn't have to end the way it did on June twenty, or June 14, 2015. Um, their story can live on through us telling their story and hopefully, you know, make a difference in the lives of other people in doing so. So that's when we decided to create the 525 Foundation, which um, is lovingly named after their love for hockey. Um, five was Jack's hockey number and 25 was Nick's hockey number. And we've just been traveling across the country telling their story um, to kids. We found that kids respond well to storytelling, and um, 
unfortunately, um, Nick and Jack's tragedy um, is a real story, and it's um, touching, you know, the emotional cord of the students, and we're hoping that when they're faced with choices like Nick and Jack were, that they're going to be making better choices. You know, I, I can tell you there are just no words to appropriately describe the, the depth of how I feel at this moment when I'm listening as a parent mm-hmm. of how strong you and your husband are um, and the, the depth of your resolve to, to take this, this, to say it's a tragedy is an understatement. Um, mm. I mean, our world lost two incredible souls. You lost your boys. But yet now you're giving so many people hope, direction, education um, through all your outreach and all your efforts. It's, it's phenomenal. It, you know, really. Thank you. Nate, seriously, God bless you and your husband for what you continue to do. If people want to learn more about the 525 Foundation, how do they do that? They can go to our website, which is um, www.525foundation.org. We also have some social media outlets, such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Becky, last question. Yeah. If you have a message that you want to tell parents right now that are listening, what would it be? Mm Mm-hmm. It would be to go home and have those conversations with your kids. Um, Talk to your kids about misusing prescription medications and then go one step further and clean out your medicine cabinet of any expired or unused medications that may be hanging around. Just get rid of them and dispose of them properly so that we don't have those left out on the streets. That's, That's great advice. It's great counsel and continued success in everything that you and your husband are doing with the 525 Foundation. Becky, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so very much. It's our pleasure. You're listening to Security Matters, CBS News Radio. We're going to take a break. Stay with me. For parents out there, here's the scary part. The most rapid growth is occurring among those under age 21. That's the fastest growing group. Is it in isolated areas around the country or is this nationwide? It's nationwide and it's occurring primarily outside of the central city, in the suburbs and in rural areas. Middle class America? Middle class America, affluent America. And the reason, Kane Willis says, has to do with another more high profile epidemic that has been spreading among affluent teens. People start using prescription pain pills, and when those are difficult to get, they switch to heroin. Prescription drug use among kids has gotten a lot of attention, for good reason. A recent survey shows 24% of high school students, that's more than 5 million kids, have abused highly addictive medication. And now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome back to Security Matters, a CBS News radio production. And ladies and gentlemen, as we wind up for today, I had a couple of things I was going to do to close the show, but uh, I can't think of a better person to reach to right now than our executive producer, Seth Nyman. Um, they asked Seth to join us, not in, in addition to being our executive producer, a dear friend and one of the you know, most highly respected producers in the, in the business. He's a dad, uh, raising four children. So, Seth, as we close this show, what do you have to say? Uh, just That just hit me in the stomach, man. Uh, and it, it made me think of a couple of things. One, you know, I have to, 
you know, really be aware of that when kids start getting to that age. And it's never too soon to have that conversation. And two, you know, I'm lucky to be here myself. We, you know, as as kids, we did we did a lot of stupid things, and uh, and, and definitely not proud of it. And you, when you look back, you're like, wow, I'm lucky to be here. And yep. uh, it's it's something that has to be uh, addressed. And you can't just count on anyone else to do that. You got to be proactive and, and, and address it yourself. And that this is definitely an eye opener for me. Well, that's, that's the message we want to leave everybody with today. You know, as we close up Security Matters for, for today, um, we want everyone to know and to emphasize that um, that, that self-examination is huge. Listen, I, I know a lot of people don't want to do it, but I'm, I implore you, I beseech you, please, self-exam. And second one is be straight, man. Look at, look at what's going on with your kids and take a look at that environment too. Um, I mean, Becky and her husband are doing great things, and God bless them. I don't know if I'd be that strong to do it. Um, but this stuff can be prevented, and, and we need to take a more aggressive, more preemptive, more passionate look at that front end. Um, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services National Hotline is 800-662-HELP. That's 800-662-4357. Make sure that you hit us up at uh, cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Go to Security Matters and look at Paul's notes. Everything will be there. All the information we talked about today, resources, options, everything that you could possibly need in order to find more information about this to help you. So on behalf of everybody at Security Matters, be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.